Hi there, and welcome to the Third Impact Anime Podcast, where we talk about anime, video games, and conventions, with a healthy amount of existential dread mixed in. You can find out more about our podcast by following us on Twitter, at T-I underscore anime. Or just like us on Facebook to not see our posts, because that's just how it is now. Thanks again for stopping by, and enjoy the show! Hello and welcome to another excellent episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. Today we'll be talking about the spring 2018 season of new anime coming straight from Japan, not kid stuff, and so <laughs> on and so on. But before we begin, let's introduce our, uh, what should I say, uh, ca- like staff, cast? Uh, what, what's the good word for that? Crew. Gaggle. Crew, crew, okay, okay. But before we begin, let's introduce our crew tonight. I am, of course, Tobias, and with me, as always, is our aggressive Austin. <laughs> hey, guys. How's it going? Tremendous Tori. Hello. Who actually exists. I do. <laughs> uh, ostentatious Andrew. Oh, thank you. I love you. <laughs> Bodacious Bill. hey And Saucy Sarah, who is joining us now <laughs> hey. for the first time. So, Sarah, let's go ahead, since you're new here, let's go ahead and give, get introductions out of the way. Who, who are you? What do you do? Hi, I'm Sarah, also known as Unique Harmony or Uniharu um, online. I really, really like idols. That is my main deal. Um, I mostly scream about them on Twitter. You can follow me at UniqueXHarmony there. Um, and I'm really excited to be writing stuff and doing podcasts with Third Impact Anime now. Awesome. We are absolutely happy to have you. We always need some new, fresh voices for the podcast and the blog. So to a uh, long and prosperous future. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Bless. So that sort of leads into our next session here. Let's sort of give a recap of what we've all been doing and what kind of what games, what anime you guys have been watching lately, what all what all has been going on with your life. And Sarah, let's 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 sort of continue with you. Um, well, recently. I've gotten really into Bandori, uh, which is Bang Dream. The English version came out a couple weeks ago, and it's sort of taken over my life a little bit, because as soon as one event ends, the next one begins, and all the cards have really pretty art, and all the characters are really interesting and cute. Nice. Awesome. Uh, Bill, what have you been doing lately? Um, I just finished all of Clanad, both the original series and After Story. Uh, I enjoyed it pretty well, including the ending to After Story to some degree, and the new Hearthstone expansion came out. Yay me. Nice, nice. I know you're all about the Hearthstone. Yep. <laughs> all right, Andrew, how about yourself? You also playing Hearthstone still? No, uh, not as much anymore. Uh, uh, you know, I'm sorry, Bill. Sorry. It took you so long to get me to play Hearthstone, and I've just stopped. But, you know, I, I get on every now and then. But these days, uh, Sadly, my my norminess is coming out of him playing a lot of Fortnite, <laughs> uh, and I'm not not happy about it. I, I it's so much fun, and I hate that I love it. 
Well, okay. You have to live your best life. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tori, we haven't, I, I didn't even know you were still alive. What have you been up to? Unfortunately, I am still alive. <laughs> um, so, I have been working at Disney World still. Um, that's almost over. Um, I've spent many a night up until 4 a.m. laying on the couch with my roommates, also playing Bandori. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I've gotten back into reading um, real adult books with no pictures, so novels, I guess we should call those, but not adult <laughs> books. Um, and I have been marathoning through Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So basically, my in my time here, I've turned into a normie. Wow. Welcome to the... That's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and Austin, what have you been up to lately, my friend? Well, first off, let me just uh, give a give a context and a shout out to Sarah real quick. Um, uh, Sarah, I've known Sarah since high school, and uh, she was probably uh, one of those unintentional forces that helped me really fall into the rabbit hole of anime. So shout out to you, Sarah. Thanks for nothing. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for ruining Austin's life. Apart from that, I've probably been more bad than good lately as I've bought a stupid amount of anime VHS tapes lately because I suck and I'm terrible and I've only watched like one of them but um because the local uh, used media store got a whole bunch of anime tapes in and one of them was the first volume of Gunbuster which I don't own the nice. original Gunbuster in any nice. form yeah so it's really nice to pick that up and add that to the collection and I've got uh, the first volume of the Queen Emeraldus OVA um and some other things uh, that I'm going to slowly be getting through. Um, but uh, today I, I just, <laughs> I, I wanted to put something on in the background. So I rewatched Ratatouille and I hadn't seen that movie since it came out in theaters and it holds up really well. It's a really, really excellent, very chill uh, movie uh, that I would totally recommend to you guys if you either haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a really long time. It's still very entertaining. Super good movie. So what would you say about the Sakuga in Ratatouille? <laughs> um, the Sakuga is pretty outstanding, but I think really the mech design is what really stands out of, of Ratatouille. Like, uh. Lingu like Linguini himself doesn't look like any other super robot I've ever seen. Today on our podcast, we discuss how Ratatouille was the mecha anime that saved mecha. <laughs> I mean, you say you say their names like Ratatouille and Linguini. Those are definitely tell me no names for sure. <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> Absolutely, <true. laughs> only he could come up with them. All right, Ex well, Toronto. Explosion Linguini is like the main character of. Uh, of hallelujah! Hallelujah! Of uh, Mobile Suit Gundam narrative coming out next year. I don't know. <laughs> And uh, for myself, I've just been pretty much hanging out as usual. I finally fixed my computer that's been giving me problems for quite some time. I've uh, been playing a couple of Switch games, still working on Breath of the Wild. I picked up uh, Danmaku Unlimited 3 because I had a bit of a Toho uh, you know, need there for a little bit. Nice. And it's, it's still in that to some degree. Uh, not quite as, uh, I, I don't know, aesthetically pleasing, I think, as like the Toho games. Not quite a variety of music. But I'm still enjoying it for what it is and fun little game I can play on my lunch break. All right, so moving right along into our next section here, I'm sure Austin will cut some fancy music at this point. Let's go ahead and give a quick recap 
as to the uh, winter season, the one that just finished here a couple of weeks back. I know we did a podcast on that, uh, myself and the, uh, uh, had myself and Andrew and Austin sort of talked about some of the stuff we were planning on watching. So let's, let's see where we stand with that now and see how far <laughs> we actually got into that. So I think the one that we've all had most experience with collectively would be laid back camp. Mm-hmm. Austin, you just want to talk about that? Sure. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, Laidback Camp is a uh, series about camping. Uh, it's very self-explanatory. But um, if you were wondering if it's the same kind of show as sort of like like how K-On! is about music, but it's not really about music, it's more about uh, friendship and dessert, um, Laidback Camp actually is about camping, and uh, Andrew is our probably our resident camping aficionado, so you can tell you a little bit more about it from that angle. Um, but I finished it up. It was the only series that I continued to watch all the way through from last season because I was a very bad boy. Um, but uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I thought the characters were very uh, memorable, and they had great chemistry with each other, and there was a lot of really... Uh, sort of effortless comedy, like a lot of uh, anime comedy sort of, they try really, really hard to be funny and try and structure things around jokes and whatnot, but Laidback Camp does a lot of very, very funny uh, situational comedy, and I think that's one of the things that made me enjoy it a whole lot. But um, Yeah, Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Comparing it to the other big comedy series, Pop Team Epic from last season. I feel like you're right. It was very subtle. They didn't try to like get in your face with the jokes. It was just very kind of fun timing humor. Definitely. And I think that's that's probably one of its biggest strengths. I mean, it has some really nice production value, but it isn't like way out there amazing. Um, And uh, I think the fact that a lot of the locations are based off of real life places is really cool. Um, And there were some of those articles that I think were on Crunchyroll about how like some of these real life locations have gotten like a boost in winter camping because of the show. And I'm like, yay, that's awesome. That's probably exactly what they made the show for. So that's, it's great to see, you know, people going out there and enjoying nature. And I know if, if I had the opportunity to go and like camp at the, at the, you know, at the lake, at the base of Mount Fuji, that would be just like, wow. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Pretty that's awesome. So, yeah. cool. so Andrew, right. did you want to talk a little bit more about it's like, the, the campiness of it. <laughs> the campiness. Yeah, like, it, I, it it does a really good job of, like, trying to trying to stay accurate to what camping really is. Like, it does, like, you know, they, they use things, like, that you would typically use, right? And they would use, like, and, that, and, like, there's always those funny little narration bits, like, when they're, like, cooking something or like putting a tent together and that's like sort of telling you uh how to do that which is which is kind of fun all of it is accurate except for the cute anime girls they are not accurate in in, in real life camping <laughs> um so kind of been on anime burnout lately but Austin had really like pushed me to watch laid back camp and I'm glad he did um because it's been super enjoyable and I've never had an interest in camping ever, but you know, being like six or seven episodes into the show, I really want to go camping now. Um, yeah, but then I started researching, and I was like, "Wow, camping gear is really expensive, and the woods also terrify me." <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's really cute. I love all the characters and um, like was mentioned before, I think the comedy is like really effortless and it's just really mundane interactions that they have that end up being super funny. So it's good and I love it. Sarah, how did you enjoy your layback count? Um, I found that it was not as boring as I thought it was going to be. Like initially, I was like, oh, a camping anime. This is going to be a lot of really pretty shots and a lot of absolutely nothing happening. <laughs> but um, the characters are really cute and um, really energetic in a way that just breathes life into the series. And I feel like the animation is like pretty decent. Like it's kind of simplistic, but it's good for what it is. Um, yeah. And yeah. I really enjoyed the characters as well. Like, uh, I really enjoyed, uh, not Adishko, but uh, Rin, 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 Blue Haired Girl. It's Rin. Rin, yeah, yeah. I just really liked, like, she had this really, like, deep devotion to, like, the religion of camping. Like, she just really enjoyed, like, this camping. It would go every weekend, you know, even by herself. And she had this, like, she had all these little rituals and stuff that she would do. And I just, I really enjoyed that aspect of her character. Then having Nadisco, you know, being her foil. Uh, I just think it worked really well for them as characters, as friends. Yeah, I thought, like, it was funny how a lot of uh, people talking about the show week to week would refer to, like, Reen's style of camping as zen camping, and I'm like, that is a (laughs) very apt way to describe that, because it is is very, like you said, sort of uh, uh, ritualistic for her, and she does it as, like, a sort of a communion with nature thing, and then Nadeshko and the, uh, the camping club just come and they both ruin it and make it better for her. So that's, it's kind of awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it uh, goes to show you that doing things with your friends, make them even more fun. Oh, nope. <laughs> no, never mind. I take it back. <laughs> You're wrong. All right. So yeah, uh, we're talking about that, Andrew. Let's talk about another series that you watched last season. Uh, Takagi-san. Tell us oh. about that. Okay. Uh, Takagi-san is a show about, these two like grade school kids uh one kid is named the boy is named nishikata and the the girl is named takagi-san uh you talked about this briefly in our uh in our spring 2018 preview podcast bias and at that point i had not watched it so i didn't have anything really to bring the to the table at that point so but like i finished it i think a couple weeks ago and it just kept you know kept getting better as the series went on like it was a nice cute like small relationship relationship story about these two grade school kids one that loves teasing the other and the one that's trying to always get back at the girl and it's you know i think it's a it's a very wholesome watch and i think one of the better shows from last season yeah Yeah. i only watched a couple oh i'm sorry bill go ahead yeah actually um i totally forgot i also watched that series as well and what I loved about it was it was this kind of fun cat and mouse game between them mm-hmm. of trying to one-up each other, <laughs> where it, it kind of reminded me of like a Tom and Jerry cartoon to a certain mm-hmm. degree. Yeah, um, But it was also just a cute story about their kind of their relationship growing, and even though they teased one another, they really cared for one another. And uh, you kind of get a tease near the end, 
that makes me hope that there is another season of this because I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, oh, and the other cool, nice thing I liked about it was, unlike other sort of romancy type shows, there wasn't. It's, the show doesn't really have any fan service whatsoever, which was a nice change of pace. It was just about their relationship and uh, their, their one-upping each other, which was really fun. Their relationship is the core of the show. I'm sort yeah. of going off that a little bit. Uh, I went back uh, after I'd finished the series and, and uh, caught up the manga on a totally legitimate website. Actually, I went to <laughs> Japan and bought all the... <laughs> About up to the, up to the date uh, nice. volumes of the Tagaki Sun manga, and I read it all in Japanese. Um, but and it and it, ah, so it, it is. And, it, and it keeps going, you know. And like uh, I don't want to tell you anything about it, just in case there's a second season. But I was, you know, it's a good show when you go back and you're just like, huh, I need more. I want to go read the source material. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so another show that I was more heavily invested in the beginning of last season would be A Place Further Than the Universe. Uh, I wrote a couple of reviews on the site for the first three or so episodes, and I was really enjoying it. Uh, unfortunately, I kind of just stopped watching most stuff week to week, so I just kind of, you know, it kind of went by the wayside. But I've been trying to catch up alongside Eurocamp uh, as well. Uh, so, what do you what did you guys think about Place Further? I know that uh, Sarah, you were watching this as well, correct? Yeah, um, it it was definitely. A thing. I feel like there were a lot of moments that were supposed to be these really emotionally charged moments that I was supposed to like feel for and cry over and stuff, and it just didn't hit me in the way that it was intended to. Yeah. Um, yeah. I that feel was... like. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, sorry. I mean, I feel like um, there were a lot of loose ends that were left at the end. Um, like you sort of see her. The main character going back home to her friend at home that she had had issues with but you don't really like you get hints at things but you don't really get the full story uh yeah i i, I, I like that you mentioned the emotional impact that's one thing that zach and jake had touched upon it you know the the ancast was that it felt like at every episode every single episode the finale was supposed to be this huge emotional moment with the rising song and you're supposed to you know you know, you're supposed to feel like the tears well up in your eyes, which works, except when you don't do it every episode. <laughs> and I, as I was, after listening to a podcast and watching a couple more episodes of those, it really does. Like every single episode is this huge, you know, so that's the power of friendship. You know, it was really with us the whole time. And it's just like, it would work if they did it even every other or every third episode or something. But just, it kind of hits you over and over and over again that I kind of felt did, you know, was a little detrimental to the series as a whole. But I enjoyed what I've seen so far myself. I definitely will finish it, but I'm not really enthused for, you know, a second season or really anymore. No, and I don't really think it needs it. Like, there's still some loose ends, but I think it's fine where it's at. Like, we're good. (laughs) Question. Hmm. So, um, I've watched about a third of it, maybe. Um, Do you still think it's worth finishing? I mean, how do you feel about it so far? I like it. I, sure, go for it. I feel like it uh, pretty much continues at a similar pace and similar feeling throughout the series. So like, if you like it in the beginning, you're probably going to continue to like it. 
Okay, cool. I'll probably I'll probably finish that up at some point then. Uh, another thing that I noticed watching both that and Layback Camp at the same time is I feel like there's almost a a perfect mirror between the the two ensembles. So they both, you know, both with Ren and uh, what was her name? Uh, I was thinking of uh, Shiranosuke, but that was Sword for Truth. <laughs> uh, place wow. Further, it, it's, oh, it starts the essay. Place further in the universe. What is her name? A place further for the truth. Yeah. Uh, Shirase. Okay, yeah, Shirase. So let's start over here. But another thing I noticed in watching both Laidback Camp and A Place Further the Universe is their, their ensemble casts almost are perfectly mirrored in that you have this serious person that's very like into the mission, into the goal, whether that's just you know camping a whole lot or going to an Antarctica. Then you've got the, the, you know, this, this, the main character, the foil, whether it's Nadisco or uh, uh, Kimari in place further that's sort of just this like upstart person that shows up and is a little more driven by their desire rather than a particular goal and they both also have these two secondary characters which are really more secondary than the the main two but also have their own distinctive personalities and and sort of fit together with that as well a place further than laid back camp man that would that's going to be the crossover second season of both where the Cross camping girls go to antarctica and they got to camp in antarctica yes I cross- <laughs> infinity I war is not the, sorry infinity war is not the biggest crossover of the century <laughs> yeah i don't and i don't think we could talk about last season without at least mentioning pop team epic i'm pretty sure i'm the only person that actually sat down and watched it I think you might be the only one who finished it. Okay. Did, did you? Did you guys anyway watch at least some of it? I, did. I watched it I've on the wall. I've seen clips on Twitter. At Ichiban Con. Oh yeah, you did. It's like everybody else. Yep. Yeah, and it's pretty much hit Twitter pretty hard and most social media. A lot of people are talking about it. I still think that it's definitely worth the watch. You kind of have to be into that comedy. But what I really liked about it was that it was good from beginning to end. Like it, I was. A lot of us were afraid that it would just be kind of peter out after the first three or four episodes and just be kind of, kind of terrible or just not really great. But except for maybe a couple skits or near the end where I felt like they had they focused on more long form sketches rather than the short form, you know, uh, like manga panels. I really thought it it worked up until the very end when there were a couple really off the wall gags that I had no clue they would throw in really interesting references to something more obscure to, you know, not quiet and just really interesting ways that they adapted some of those skits. There's a couple that are like, are just barely noticeable. uh, You know, when you you talk about the adaptation that I enjoyed. So, yeah, I mean, I was, I was definitely recommend it. I would like to get more, but on the other hand, I feel like trying to adapt more would also just water it down. So I'm pretty happy with what we got. And finally, let's c- cover one series that's continuing to go on, that being uh, Darling in the Franks. Hard pass. <laughs> okay, the I, overhyped show of the season? Yeah, I mean, I would say with me and Austin are like huge trigger nerds and nothing else. And I'm kind of wary about it. You guys have any particular opinions about it? Um, I feel like I could do a whole podcast on my own about why this show pissed me off so bad. It, you it can. Feel like, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel 
Like, okay, so I've screamed over and over to Austin about this, but when I first saw the trailer for the show, I was like so excited because I was like, we're gonna have these like big cool mechs and they're gonna fight these weird cool alien things and I am always for that. Like, that's my favorite genre almost. And then you get this weird like melodramatic romance with a good like NTR thrown in and the characters just as it goes on seem to be kind of like eh and I don't know I just it wasn't what I was expecting it to be I was hoping they were going to do some metaphor about like hey don't put you know young people that are underage in these weird compromising situations because it's uncomfortable for them they're still figuring themselves out and got none of that, unfortunately. Yeah, I feel like it, it wants to like be a modern version of Ava and focusing on like, you know, the awkward teenage sexuality. But it really fumbles every point that it tries to make and just very like ham fistedly just like skips over these things and it just becomes really it just wastes all this really cool potential that it could be building on. Right, and that's what I was gonna say. I think the fact that it was so ham-fisted is what turned me off as well. Like if they would have been more subtle and more interesting about what they were trying to go for, if that's even what they were trying to go for, I think yeah. I could have taken it much better. Yeah, and I, I think they probably, we'll, we'll see by the end. Apparently the last couple of episodes have been uh, very reaction heavy as a lot of people talking about them both in good and bad ways and we're only halfway through the show really right. so i'm hoping it'll pick up maybe i don't really have high hopes at this point uh, i hope at the end we get more of a breakdown of like because it's, it's a co-production with a1 uh, uh, films as well a1 pictures so i kind of want to see a breakdown of who really did what I know there's a lot of really good trigger animation that does look good, and maybe not their best work, but it was really good in the, the few episodes I've seen at the beginning. But uh, yeah, I kind of, I, I, I want to give it a chance. I want to, I hope it'll come around, but I'm also not really looking forward. I'm not really holding my breath for it. Right, and considering like episode 16 or 17 comes out soon, I, I don't think they're going to redeem it because it's what, 24? Yeah, it, it's two seasons here, so we've still got a little bit left. I think it'll be 26. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Just based on what Tori's been saying, kind of what the group has been saying about Darling and Franks in general, I have this overall feeling with Trigger where I want to love their work. I think they're really good when they're in a short form format, kind of like Lulico or Ninja Slayer. But it seems to me when they're in a longer form show, like Darling and Flanks or Keys Diver, which they also did, they seem to not really hit it. They seem to, it's, it's usually more of a miss than a swing. Now, I know Gurlagan was a big hit and Little Witch Academia is also really good, but they seem to be really 50 for 50 on their longer form shows. And I'm just wondering, because they're so focused on the animation and the visuals, where character seems to usually falter, Maybe they should just stick to shorter form shows as their kind of their go-to. What do you think, Tobias? Uh, I would I would not disagree with that for sure. Uh, yeah, I can see where some of their more serious drama-filled series, like Darling and like His Niver, just kind of don't really hit the same 
level as like you kill a kill or even Gurren Lagann did. I would definitely agree that their forte is crazy frenetic animation. They they have gone on record as saying with after Kill a Kill came out that Kill a Kill is about a seven out of ten for how crazy they want to get, and they really want to turn it up to eleven. But no TV station would actually let them do that. <laughs> so I would totally be down with them just like like funding a crazy ridiculous animations, kind of like Dead Leaves, something I Imaishi worked on previously. This ridiculous, ridiculous movie. Uh, but yeah, I, mean, I, I completely agree that here we have something where they really want to touch it in the same way that like Ava did. Uh, again, touching on these like teenage characters and their neuroses and their issues, but they're just not good at doing that. So it just kind of it doesn't work. And I think um, Trigger in general, just like Gainax was back in the day, is very, they're very like visionary driven. Like their best content is made by the individual directors and uh, creators that really have a knack for doing that stuff. And for Trigger, it would be uh, Imaishi and Yoshinari. Um, but there are other productions that haven't involved them uh, so heavily on like the. Um, like direct creative control sort of uh, conceptual execution and all that stuff have not, have just not been as strong. Um, and I think that might be some growing pains because trigger really hasn't made all that much stuff. And I'm sure some of their, uh, you know, higher up staff, that's not um, that hasn't worked on these, you know, big box things or hasn't made these like amazing things that have come out that everyone's really enjoyed and praised. They're, they got some time to, they, they need to give some chances to catch up and maybe Darling in the Franks is just like a stepping stone towards something bigger for people that are not either Imaishi or Yoshinari. Yeah, and the touching upon, like, you, do, you mentioned Gurren Lagann. So Gurren Lagann, while animated by the people that would be Trigger, the story itself was written by, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Kazuki Nakashima, who had previously worked on scripts for uh, Oedo Rocket, uh, Re Cutie Honey, and he was a, a playwright as well. So he's actually coming up from just a you know anime nerd perspective, but also you know just a general screenwriter. Uh, Hidi Gurren I think his next work is working with Trigger on Promare, which we'll see at the end of the year or next, beginning of next year. So I think if we're, if we're waiting for good storytelling from Trigger, may want to just hold out for Promare. And that's another Imaishi-directed thing, right? Yep, Imaishi and Nakashima, we work on that. So it should be the most similar to Gurren Lagann, hopefully at the end of the day. Yes. All right, does anyone want to touch upon anything else from last season? Um, I do, if everyone's okay with that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I watched the Basculus sequel that took 10 years in the making. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you guys paid attention to any of our winter reviews, I reviewed the first two episodes of the Basculus sequel uh, on the site. Uh, I watched the original Basculus back in the day in 2005. 2007, I think that's when it came out. Um, Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed the original series. Now, I, when I first tried to watch it, it was a real struggle because, one, it's been over 10 years since the original series, and it's a sequel. It's not a prequel, and so it's a continuation of what had happened, and they tried to catch people up to speed, but it felt like they were just doing info dump. 
every t- every five minutes, and the animation quality seemed to just after the first episode just dip really poorly, which was uh, disappointing. I I kind of wish that they had, if they were going to do a sequel, they would have done it maybe two or three years after the original series, when it was more fresh in people's minds. Because I don't, I know I haven't seen anyone on Twitter or anyone on uh, forums really talk about it. Because uh, it it kind of got lost in the ether from what I've seen. Maybe I'm wrong. I had very little experience with anything with Basilisk. I recall the original series coming out, but I haven't really caught up or really much interested for that. The original series is is really good. It's it's a mixture of Romeo and Juliet. With crazy ninja powers, uh, <laughs> oh, with some okay. with some really cool action scenes, um, and the second one tried to recreate that, but I felt like one because it was trying to be a continuation, it didn't really work out, and the animation quality just wasn't there. Where there you were, there were using cheap tricks to save on the animation budget, like having a character talk but we can't see the the lips move their their faces again their their back is against the camera for example so that's my thoughts on basquist too all right let's go ahead and move in on to twitter questions we've got a couple of those before we move into our main segment uh starting off from at swooshbear 742 which i think we some of us know personally i will i will Will sounds like a cool guy. Uh, his question is, any thoughts on Steins Gate Zero? So I have thoughts on Steins Gate Zero. My thoughts on Steins Gate Zero are these. I have not watched it yet because I'm very attached to that English dub and it does not come out until next week. So ask again later, <laughs> dearest Will. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that later. I, I actually haven't seen Steins Gate, the original. Oh, man. I know. I keep stuff. hearing. I know. I, I at first, I ignored it because it has that weird anime name with the like the semicolon in it, which <laughs> is like made my eyes gloss over. But I hear there's a reason of, for that. Yeah, I've I've heard all of that word semicolon word series that 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 studio puts out are actually mm-hmm. decent. Chaos Head, I believe, and Robotics Notes are actually decent. Well, anybody, of, any thoughts on that? I I think I think Tori's actually seen it, but Chaos Head is the one that everybody's just like ugh. But uh. I think Robotics Notes is pretty well liked. I didn't watch it personally, but um, Steins Gate itself is one of my favorite series and has probably one of the best English dubs ever. Uh, Bill can attest to this, uh, that it is a very, very slow first half. Um, yes. but, I, but I always uh, follow that up with, um, well, yeah, the first half is really slow. It feels like it'll take you like a year to get through it. But once you reach episode 12, you'll watch the next 12 episodes in about 45 minutes. So um, <laughs> it, it's, one of, it's one of those shows, and I know that's a lot of commitment to ask for people, but Steinsgate is a really good sort of like very grounded in uh, real-world stuff, like science fiction show. Like there's not really a lot of fantasy about it. Like all of the all of the sci-fi elements are very rooted in uh, like conspiracy theory stuff and like internet um, mumbo jumbo and it, it's very fascinating so if you guys haven't checked it out in the last uh, seven or so years that it's been out it, it's really good and I'm excited for Science Gate Zero because I think it's a um, I think it's like a I know there's a game out for it but I, I think it's like a what if scenario like if something 
had gone differently in the first series or the first game because they are based on visual novels. Uh, like this is what would happen. So I'm really, really hyped for Science Gate Zero. But like I said, I'm just waiting for the dub. Isn't that the one uh, that has Dr. Pepper in it? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it is the smart, the, the smart drink for smart people. <laughs> so the original, is that's, is that still on Crunchyroll or Verve? Or... Yeah, it's, it's pretty much everywhere. It's on Crunchyroll, Funimation, Verve, all that stuff. And uh, it's a Funimation dub, so it has like... Uh, <laughs> J. Michael Tatum is the main guy, and he he also wrote the show, and he's he's a very good script writer, and uh, there's a the whole cast is really good, so I like it a lot. Cool. Yeah, with the new series, I'll have to escalate my plans to actually watch it. Never, like I said, nothing but good things, so it's on me. Yes. All right, so moving right along then, we have another question from at Quackbar, which I think we also know, maybe? Yes. Hi, Dylan. Hi, Dylan. Hey, Dylan. Sounds like a pretty cool guy. Uh, this, I think, is more for Bill. Uh, favorite One Piece character? Um, there's too many good One Piece characters to name, so I'm going to cheat. Okay, uh, <laughs> so I'll be really quick with this. Favorite villain, Don Flamenco. Favorite Straw Hat crew member is Robin. Favorite overall character is Captain Buggy because he's the Team Rocket of One Piece. <laughs> he himself is the whole team pretty much but it's he he keeps getting into higher levels of positions even though he's very bumbling and a complete idiot <laughs> I haven't seen much of One Piece but I think my favorite character is definitely Boruto's dad yeah. <laughs> controversial <laughs> alright anybody want to comment on One Piece that I don't know you all seen it my favorite character is Luffy. I don't know. He's on the cover. I haven't seen One Piece. He's, he's a pretty cool guy. Yeah. He seems like a stretchy boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Moving right along, we have two from our good friend Basil down in Huntsville. Hi, Basil. Uh, first, first one here. Uh, how just how is the high dive service? I think All right, you guys. You, guys, guys, have, you yeah. guys want me to be on my soapbox for high dive? Uh, sure. Thirty seconds. All right, so high dive is awesome. Done. Okay, cool. Very, <laughs> very economical. Very efficient. Yeah, I have thirty seconds. No, no, I like, uh, have to deduct points because you didn't fill the full thirty seconds. Um, darn it! <laughs> can I take his twenty-eight? Dang a rang! <laughs> but I think uh, as of as of now, I think they're about to wrap up their fancy introductory pricing. Yes, they extended it, but by the time this podcast comes out, I don't think it'll still be a valid offer. Unfortunately. I believe, well, maybe, because I think they extended it to, like, May 3rd or something. Oh. I'd have to check that out. But um, they did extend it, which was nice. Yeah. Um, but I do, have a, I do have a few more short words about High Dive, if you'll, if you'll allow me, good sir. You have 28 seconds. All right. So uh, High Dive is, um, if anybody doesn't know, it is Sentai Filmworks's, um, like, proprietary streaming service. And in terms of features, like, compared to the main, like, anime streaming services, like Crunchyroll... Funimation, VRV, and whatnot. This one probably has the most features. It may not have the most like premiere content because it is almost exclusively um, like Sentai Filmworks stuff and like all of their other subsidiaries like Kraken and uh, Made in Japan and all that stuff that is still like in the Sentai sphere. So if you're a really big fan of all of that content, uh, definitely check it out. In terms of like how it's mechanically designed, I really like it. It has this weird feature that I never thought I would enjoy where you can speed up and slow down the speed of the episode, which is kind of crazy. 
And um, they have like built-in chats and stuff like that. And they have both uh, subbed and dubbed options of pretty much everything in the Sentai catalog. It's the only way to be able to watch Legend of the Galactic Heroes without paying $800 for a Blu-ray set. Mm-hmm. Um, even though apparently the version that's up on uh, High Dive is not particularly awesome. So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoy High Dive. I haven't watched a whole amount of stuff on it, but the stuff that I have watched on there, like the most recent thing I watched was um, uh, The Dragon Dentist, which I thought was really good. Oh, and cool. they have it up on there. And um, that's a more like Sentai dubs for me are very hit or miss and mostly miss. But the Dragon Dentist dub was, I thought, really good. So I'm glad that they've stepped up their game for that. And yeah, High Dive is really awesome. And if you can get it for that uh, $3.99 a month for the next two years, that's totally worth it. Um, what are they raising the price to when the introductory prices uh, period is over? I don't think they've said, but it'll probably be another tiered thing. Like right now they've got tiered pricing as it is. Um, but... Um, It'll probably be something like I don't know, starting sure, price like six ninety nine or something. Yeah, surely it can be more than Crunchyroll, like that much more than Crunchyroll. Yeah, I feel like it probably won't be. Sure. I I've been using it to watch Clan Ed, and overall, I think it's really good. Their player doesn't crash on me. Uh, there, you can very easily switch from dub to sub. Uh, no problem. And my only issue, if you're looking into getting High Dive, is, like I said, their catalog is very small compared to Crunchyroll or Verve. Um, so if you're interested, look at uh, the titles Sentai Filmworks has, and if you're interested in streaming, if you're interested in watching those shows, I would highly, highly recommend it. A lot of Sentai Filmworks' uh, licenses are skew towards uh older shows um like clan ad and air uh uh, i think they also have uh ninja scroll Mm -hmm. and a couple other things but um they they also have some popular stuff like a comic kill is one that comes to my mind at the moment so they have a good wide selection of stuff i Mm -hmm. highly recommend high dive my only annoyance is Oh, and Flying Wish. Uh, my only annoyance is, while it's good that they have security where you have to enter a password and a PIN number, having to remember the PIN number can be very frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And um, they're the only place where you can watch the Big O, which is cool. Because um, yep. I know some people have nostalgia for that series. And they've got a bunch of older franchises on there, like Zabungle and Dunbine just came out on there. Yeah. And uh, Battle of the Planets and a bunch of the Gotcha Man stuff. And um, like Space Adventure Cobra, the TV series, and um, a bunch of eclectic, a big eclectic selection. Yeah. yeah. If, if you're a fan of like. Uh, discotheque or the stuff that Nozomi puts out, I would check out High Dive. Indeed. All right. So, moving into our last Twitter question there, the last one again from Basil Do you fear CG bears? I fear no CG animal. Now, this is, uh, of course, a reference to Golden Kamui, which we'll talk a little bit about later. I don't say that I fear them in the primal sense. But there is a cosmic horror that surrounds <laughs> bears in Golden Kamui. <laughs> uh, 
it's it's pretty disturbing. Uh, let's touch upon it later here again. But yeah, the Bears. <sighs> unbearable. Yeah, pretty unbearable. <laughs> Yikes. All right, so we're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be back with actually talking about the spring season. So we got to the end of that portion of the episode and realized that we had rambled on and talked about uh, the winter season for about 45 minutes or so, and then after finishing up our conversation about the current uh, spring season, uh, we were at probably around 2 hours and 45 minutes for the entire podcast episode, and we thought that might be a little bit more lengthy than a lot of people would be up to, so... Um, we're going to upload the second half of this podcast as a completely separate episode that you can find uh, on pretty much any podcast host that we're on. Um, and you'll be able to see it on Podbean there. We'll have one, we'll have this one uh, marked as our um, uh, winter review, and then the next one marked as our spring review. And then we'll just jump right into that. So if you only care to listen to one of them or don't want to, you know, pay attention to a uh, almost three hour long podcast. We've broken it up for you so that it'll be more easy to swallow, I guess. But uh, thank you guys for listening, and I hope you will check out our review of the uh, spring season uh, that'll be uploaded probably right after this episode. So as you're listening to this, it'll probably be available. So go check that out if you want to hear what we have to say about spring and whatnot. And, um, if you guys want to follow us as always we are on twitter at ti underscore anime we're also on facebook at facebook.com slash third impact anime you can find updates about everything that we do and interact with us uh, directly on those sites most easily so uh, thank you guys for listening and uh, hopefully we will see you in the next one